Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank God for the service we've already had today. Amen. Well, we have been uh, all year long, of course, uh, you guys probably get tired of hearing me say this, but but all year long we've been looking at the supernatural. We've been the Lord told us that this that 2019 would be a year that the supernatural becomes our new natural. Listen, we got two months left in 2019. Two months, and you might say you might you might say, well, Pastor, you know I haven't experienced the supernatural yet in my life. Well, don't give up. You got two months. Amen. If we didn't say that it was going to happen in January. Amen. Uh, you know, because sometimes uh, in in our book this morning in Foundations, uh, we were talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in that in our lesson this morning, and one of the ones one of the points that that Bill Johnson made was that that uh, one of the one of the, the the great aspects of the Holy Spirit is he is he gives us power to endure, you know, and sometimes because sometimes things don't happen as quick as we want them to happen. But, you know, but He doesn't leave us by ourselves when those things don't happen that way. He gives us the power to endure. He gives us the power to, to get through those times, even when it doesn't quite work out like we thought it was going to. Well, we've still got two months of this year. Don't give up. Amen. Amen. Don't, don't just write in 2019 as being a bad year for you. No, say, you know what, let's close out 2019 stronger than, stronger than the whole year's ever been. Amen. And as you do that then that will set you up for entering into 2020. Listen, God's already speaking to me about 2020, and I wanted to preach it so bad, but He told me to wait. And I, I, I mean, man, I'm telling you, I, I've got so much in me for 2020 already that, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I've got to be careful because He told me, He said, no, so that's the message for, for probably, I'll start, probably start teaching that in December as we get into, uh, start heading into 2020. But, but, uh, but 2020 is going to be a great year. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a year. Uh, it's going to continue to be a year of the supernatural, but it's going to be a year that that we see some some incredible things. And uh, and I'm believing that with all my heart. But 2019 is not over yet, so we get to we get to enjoy uh, the 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 rest of 2019. And so we're looking and we're believing that it's going to be a supernatural year. We're believing that that these last two months here of 2019 are, are, is is going to be a time when we see the supernatural in our lives. So, so we've been looking at all the different aspects all year long. We've looked at a bunch of different things. But the last few weeks especially, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And to be honest with you, the Holy Spirit is probably the most supernatural thing that we could experience. Just to think that God would, uh, in His plan from the beginning of time, that He knew that He would have to send the Holy Spirit. He knew He would have to send Jesus. He knew the plan of the Holy Spirit. And yet, He still went through with it anyway. But just to think that, that His design and His plan was to create a vessel that He could put, that He could come and reside in. I mean, that is, you know, that still blows me away to think that God would, would cherish us enough and think enough about us. Even this morning in worship, at the end of worship, when we were talking about of getting the revelation that God loves me. You know, one, you might say, well, how do I know that God loves me? He loves you enough to say, you know what? I want to come live on the inside of you. If there was no other, if there was no other sign whatsoever that God loved you, that would be a sign enough. That He thought enough about us to say, I'm going to send my spirit and He's going to live on the inside of every one of you. And as I've been studying, you know, and we've talked about, um, a few different aspects of the Holy Spirit. We, we're, we've been looking primarily at the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, you know, and, and uh, last week especially we talked about the benefits of speaking in tongues. And a lot of times when we talk about the, the, uh, 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we emphasize the tongue issue, you know, because I, because I do believe, I'm a firm believer that, that, uh, speaking in tongues is the, is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We see that throughout the book of Acts. We see that every time that the Holy Spirit came, and every time that the, you know, like, there was like six different examples in the book of Acts, that when they prayed for the Holy Spirit, when they came to people and prayed for the Holy Spirit, the evidence of, of the Holy Spirit falling on them were, there, were, were them speaking in tongues. So I, I firmly believe that, that the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is that the believer will speak in tongues. Now, that's not the only evidence, though. That's not the only benefit of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. This morning I want to go kind of a step further, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to show you just a couple examples of, of some other things that happen when we get baptized or when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. The word the Lord gave me this morning, uh, this week as I was studying this, the Lord gave me the word saturated. He said, I want, he said, I want you to be saturated with the Holy Spirit. I looked that word up and saturated just basically means to be full, to, to absorb moisture to the point of being full is one of the definitions. And, you know, so, so when I was praying about that, uh, and talking to the Lord about it, He said this, He said, I want you to be so full of the Holy Spirit that wherever you go, you leak out. Like if somebody bumps up against you, you, spl- you splosh some Holy Spirit on them instead of a piece of your mind or, you know, or, or, you know, what you think or something like that. And so, and of course it was fitting today because it rained last night and, and the ground was saturated. You know, when we think of something being saturated, you think of, you know, walking through the yard and every time you step, you know, water, you hear the water just gushing, you know, or just oozing up or however you want to say that or splashing up or something like that. Well, that, I believe that's the picture. That's a perfect picture of the way God wants us to live our lives with the Holy Spirit. And I believe, you know, uh, and we know, I mean, we've, we've went through this, but for the sake of, of clarification, we'll talk about this. You know, we know that at salvation, when you first get born again, when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. You don't get a measure of Him. You don't get half of the Holy Spirit, or you don't get just a portion of the Holy Spirit. He comes to live on the inside of you. Amen. Um, you know, that's one thing that, that you know, like uh, my family, I, I, was, I grew up Southern Baptist, and my entire family still pretty much... Uh, go to Baptist churches and stuff. And one of the things I would have conversations with my dad before he passed, you know, I would have conversations with him about the Holy Spirit. And, and, he, and he would say things like this. And, and he never, you know, dad never was against, um, he, he didn't, dad didn't have an understanding about, um, you know, his understanding and his thought process was, was strictly from the Baptist doctrine, you know. What I mean, that when you get the whole, you know, when you get born again, you get the Holy Spirit, and there, there's no other experiences to get the Holy Spirit or, or the Holy Spirit or anything like that. So my dad would always tell me, he'd say, he'd say, "Well, I got as much of the Holy Spirit as you do," and I was like, "You're right, you do." You know, it's not when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not that you get more of the Holy Spirit. It's just that the, Jesus, Jesus told His disciples this. When, when, when He was getting ready to leave, Jesus told His disciples this. He said, he said now, because they were born again, when Jesus, when, when Jesus died on the cross and He rose from the dead, and He came back and He appeared to His disciples, you know, He stayed on the earth like 40 days, and He was talking to His disciples and, and, and ministering to them. They, they accepted Him as their Savior during that time. They got born again. But Jesus told them, before he, before he ascended back up to heaven, He told them, He said, Now you guys go wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. 
And he said, and then he said, when that happens, then you will be my witnesses. So what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, and, and, and one way I've described it, and you've heard me say this before, if you've heard me teach on this, is that one way I describe it is this, that salvation, when the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you, that is for you. That, 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 you know, He comes to live on the inside of you. The fruit of the Spirit is planted at that time, and the fruit of the Spirit starts growing in your life. Every, new, every believer that, that has a relationship with Jesus has all nine fruit of the Spirit living on the inside of them. The question is whether they're, whether they're bearing that fruit or not, whether they're letting that fruit come out. But the fruit of the Spirit is really to grow you up. When you think about the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, you know, all, when you talk about those nine fruit of the Spirit, that, those fruit of the Spirit is really to grow you up, to help you become and look more like Jesus. You know, that's, it's for you. But when Jesus told them that they would be endued with power from on high, He told them, He said, don't go out, don't, don't go be a witness, don't go do anything until you be endued with power from on high. He said, then you will be a witness. And of course, we know in the, in the book of Acts, it tells us that when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and He fell on those in the upper room, it said He came upon them. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times the Bible uses different language. It says, it'll say that the Holy Spirit within, anytime it says the Holy Spirit within, it's talking about the salvation experience. When it talks about the Holy Spirit upon, it's talking about like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that is a subsequent uh, experience that you'll have outside of salvation. And so, so at the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on them, that's when they, when they came out and they, they were speaking in tongues and everybody heard them. And, and, you know, and that's, that's when, uh, you know, the whole, the whole church age really got started at that time. So, so the Holy Spirit coming upon us, that is, that is for service. The Holy Spirit within is for us. The Holy Spirit upon is so that, so that the anointing or so that the, the gifts of the Spirit will come on each one of us so that we can minister to other people. Does that make sense? The, at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes within. It's to grow you up. At the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and the gifts of the Spirit start, start working in your life, then when that happens in your life, then that's for service to other people. You know, uh, I've heard people talk about... I heard this story. This is pretty cool. I never heard this uh, till this week. Um, and, and, you know, people had always discussed about Billy Graham and how Billy Graham was such a great soul winner. And, man, he did. If, if you've never been to the Billy Graham Library, I encourage you to go to the Billy Graham Library. That, that, I mean, Billy Graham did so many things I never realized he did. He ministered to so many people, and, and he was just an incredible soul winner, a credible evangelist. Uh, but to, to, to everybody's recollection, or to, as far as I know, he was not spirit-filled. You know, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, he he was he was a pretty much a denominational guy, and 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 had very powerful in his in his ministry. Had a very successful ministry. Uh, that's a clear evidence that you know you don't have to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be successful. I mean, you know, Billy Graham was very successful, and he had a very great ministry. Many many people will be in heaven because of Billy Graham's ministry, and praise God for that. Uh, so, so anyway, Billy Graham was teaching one, one time. He, he got invited to this conference, and he was teaching. And it was actually at a uh, university, and it was a spirit-filled university. But, but this was a, uh, type, it was a type of conference where, where there was people from all denominations came. You know, so there were spirit-filled people. There were denominational people, people from all different religions. They came, and Billy Graham, uh, 
you know, in, in those top conferences, they have a, a, an allotted amount of time, and they have to be through in that amount of time. So Billy Graham's ministering in, in this conference, and, and, and his time comes to an end, you know, and he gets, gets to the end of his sermon, and he wraps his sermon up. And, and as he's getting ready to sit down, uh, a guy stands up in the congregation and gives a tongue, starts speaking in tongues. And, and then he interprets it. You know, and, and everything was in order. It wasn't out of order or anything, but, but everybody was thinking, oh, Billy Graham's here and this guy's speaking in tongues. You know, what's Billy Graham going to think about this and stuff? So, so, uh, one of the pastors after the, after the service ended and everything, uh, they went back to the, went back to the, you know, the speaker's room and they were back there and one of the guys walked up to Billy Graham and said, said, uh, Mr. Graham, what did you think about that tongue and interpretation? And Billy Graham said this. He said, he said, well, he said, to be honest with you, he said, I don't know a lot about that. He said, but I will say this. He said, he said, I will say this. He said, when, he said, when my time got finished and I came to the end of my sermon, he said, I had three points left that I hadn't spoken about yet. He said, I had three things that, that I had not brought out because my time ran out. He said, so I just ended my sermon. And he said, I don't really know much about the tongues thing and the inter-. He said, you know, I, he said, I don't know. I, I, he said, I, so I can't speak to that. He said, but I will say this. He said, the message that that young man gave said he finished those three points that I had on my sermon. And he said, he said, that's all I know about it. So, I mean, you know, so, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit with tongues and interpretation and the gifts of the Spirit, you know, they are powerful in the fact that, that, you know, we tap into the things of God that from our natural standpoint, a lot of times we can't do. And here in Ephesians chapter 5, let's look at what the scripture says here. In Ephesians chapter 5, in verse number 18, and, and I'm, I'm picking this one verse out, and, and, you know, and sometimes it's dangerous to do that, but this one verse will stand, stand alone here for this. In verse 18, in Ephesians 5, 18, it says this, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now let's look at a couple different uh, translations of this. In uh, the Amplified, it says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but... Be ever filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Um, a couple other, a couple other uh, translations. The Jordan translation says, "Don't get drunk on wine and carry on a lot of foolishness, but tank up on the Spirit." Amen. The uh, the Wyman's translation says, "Do not overindulge in wine, a thing in which excess is so easy, but drink deeply of God's Spirit." Uh, the Living Bible says, but be filled instead with the Holy Spirit. The Message translation says, drink the Spirit of God. Drink huge droughts of Him. Amen. So, you know, so a lot of times we'll take this, this verse and, and it says, don't drink in wine. And I'm not going to preach on drinking alcohol or whatever. But, but what he's saying is this, and the, the gist of this verse is he's saying this. You know, he said, he said, you know, um, because, I, I, and I would say probably everybody in here would agree, I never hear great stories about people that get hooked on alcohol. When people get hooked on alcohol, it usually kind of has a bad testimony to it. You know, I've never seen somebody praising God that their husband's, you know, comes home drunk every night or something like that. You know, that's not a good testimony. So what Paul was saying here was this. He said, listen, don't, don't, don't get into those things that, that, you know, get you, get you out there and make you do worldly things. He said, but instead of doing that, he said, he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that, the, the original Greek language in that, that word be filled, actually, 
and this is where I got the word saturate from. Actually, one of the one of the original uh, or one of the original definitions of that word is to saturate yourself. So he says, don't 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 get over there and drink alcohol and get hooked on all that mess. He says, but saturate yourself instead on the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said this. Jesus stood up one time. And when he was at that, as he said he was at that great festival, and and it was the you know the where he stood up and he said he said if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink of me. You know it's interesting that Jesus didn't say come and think about me. He said but come and drink of me. And here Paul uses the analogy of drinking. He said don't drink alcohol. He says but come and be saturated with the Holy Spirit. And so so you know what we have to understand is this. There's, there's some things in life, there's some things in the Christian life, there's some things in your life and in my life that will not be activated until we become saturated. Some, some of the gifts and the promises and, the, and the, the, the anointings in your life will not be activated until you become fully saturated. In other words, you get rid of all the, all the stuff in your life and you're fully focused on Him, when you're saturated in Him, then things change in your life. Let's look at a couple, a couple other Scriptures here. Um, you're, you're right here in Ephesians. Just flip back to Ephesians chapter 3. One of my favorite things to do, and I've got, um, and I've handed this out many times, but, but I've got a Scripture. Brother Hagin taught us, uh, you know, Brother Hagin taught for years about when he pastored a church that he would do this and, and I've, I've made a practice out of this too, and I do this on a regular basis. Uh, at times I do it more than other times, but, but, uh, but Brother Hagin always taught us about the, the, the prayers that Paul prayed for the church. And there's three different prayers. There's the prayer in Ephesians 1, then in Ephesians 3, and then in Colossians 1. And Brother Hagin taught us that we could take those scriptures and we could, we could personalize them for either for ourselves or for, you know, our church members or our family members. Or whatever, and pray those on a regular basis. So I, you know, I, I've typed it up. I typed it up from like the amplified version. I should have printed some of these out. I didn't. I'll, I'll print some of these out and put them back there. Some of you may not have this, but but I've typed it up from the amplified version here and personalized it to where I'm praying it for myself. But you can also pray it for other people. Brother Hagen told story after story about how how that like when he was praying for somebody in particular, especially his family members that he would pray these prayers, and he said it was never, he said it was always just usually a matter of a week or two by the time he started praying these prayers, putting his family members' names in there, that, that whatever he was praying about, that God would touch them and do something in their lives. You know, they're powerful prayers. They're, they're prayers that we talk about Paul and how, how wonderful he was to the church. Well, these are prayers that Paul prayed. Man, these are powerful, you know. But here, I want you to notice here in Ephesians chapter 3, because and the reason I point this out, you know, he doesn't, it doesn't necessarily talk specifically about being spirit-filled in these verses. But we do know this. Paul is the one in 1 Corinthians 14, Romans chapter 8. Paul is the one that talks about that. He said this. He said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And, he, and he's the one that said, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. So Paul's ministry was really very heavily based on being spirit-filled. You know, and really, to be honest with you, the entire early church... The, the, the church in the early stages of that, you know, they never, it was always, they got saved, they got baptized, and then they got filled with the Holy Ghost. 
I mean, it was, it was boom, boom, boom. It wasn't like, it wasn't something where half of them believed it and half of them didn't know. They, I mean, you know, if, if they heard of a city that had got, had received Jesus and that they had, they were getting, they were getting saved, then the disciples would send people down to, to make sure they heard about the Holy Ghost. There were times, you know, we, we've read these in Acts before. There were times where they, they showed up and, and asked the, the people said, have you, have you received the Holy Ghost? And they said, we hadn't even heard about the Holy Ghost. Well, they received Jesus, but they didn't know about the Holy Ghost. And so Peter and John came down and laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So, so Paul was very big on, on uh, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and letting that be the power in their life. And listen to Paul's prayer here for the Ephesian church. And, of course, you know, this is the same, like we just read Ephesians 5, where he said, continually be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time experience. You know, it's something you need every day. Smith Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth said his testimony was that he never get. He said he said I won't step foot out of the bed before before I get filled with the Spirit every morning. He said I pray every morning that God fills me with His Spirit before my feet hit the ground. And Smith Wigglesworth, listen, he did. I mean, you know, had I don't know how many twenty, thirty, some people raised from the dead in his ministry. I mean, very powerful man. And, and he, he was so dependent on the Holy Spirit. He said, my feet don't hit the floor before I ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit for that day. You know, and so, and I believe Paul was that type too. So when Paul was praying here for, for the Ephesian church, notice, notice how he prayed here. He said this. This is in Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll just start in verse 14. He said this, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now listen to what he says that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. So Paul, one of Paul's prayers for the church was that, that by the Spirit of God, they would be strengthened in the inner man. Now, how, how does that happen? Well, that happens, remember, remember what Jesus told His disciples. Wait in, wait in the upper room until you be endued with power from on high. So there was power, there was strength, there was something that happened when, when people got filled with the Holy Spirit, there was something that happened to them. I want you to think about just, and we're going to read some more of this, but just think about for a moment on the day of Pentecost. We talked, we talked about that. You know, think about who it was that came out of that room and preached one of the most powerful messages you'll hear. Who was it? Who, who, can anybody tell me who it was that preached that day? Peter. Now, why is it such a surprise to us that Peter preach that sermon. Because just days earlier, maybe a month earlier, or 50-some days, I mean, because Jesus died and, and he, he was there for 40-some days, 50 days later. 50 days later, so two months earlier, Peter had just denied Jesus three times. And we would think in our natural minds, here we go again, in our natural minds, we would look at that and say, the last person that should be up there is Peter. He should be in a rehab somewhere. You know, he should be, he should be sorry for what he's done. What, why's he up there talking? You know, man, he messed up. And if, if he was like most ministers or most people, probably in his mind, he could have be, been beating himself up saying, saying, well, I told Jesus I'd never deny him. And then, boy, I denied him. And Jesus told, Jesus told me I would, but I swore to him I wouldn't. I'll, I'll, I'll die before I deny you, Jesus. And there, that first time I denied him, and he said, and if that wasn't bad enough, then the second time. And then that little girl came up to me and 
blabbed her mouth, and there I was the third time, and I denied him three times. And then that stupid cock crowed. That's why preachers still eat chicken. You know, Peter wanted to kill that chicken and eat it, you know. But that cock crowed. <laughs> that cock crowed. And, and you know, and, and the story of Jesus, I mean, I made something funny out of that. But could you put yourself in Peter's shoes for just a moment? Jesus had just told him, Jesus had just told him that you're going to deny me three times. And, 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 and you know, he said, he said, and Peter said, I won't do it, I won't do it, I won't do it. And, and Jesus said, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. Well, could you imagine what must have went through Peter's mind? And that, you know, because it was chaos that night. It was, I mean, here they came and arrested Jesus and they were beating him. And, and, you know, Peter was probably just, you know, trying to wrap his mind around what was happening. And his disciples were in chaos and they were running everywhere. As a matter of fact, there was only like one or two of them that actually followed him into the, into the place there where he was being tried and, and, and all of this. And Peter was one of them that at least he did follow him in there. You know, I mean, he was, he was trying to make sense out of this. But yet, here he was. He denied him once. And we would think to ourselves, surely he remembered what Jesus told him. Surely he would be strong enough not to deny him again. But then the next opportunity came and boom, he denied him again. Now, surely after two times, he would know, he would hear Jesus saying, you're going to deny me three times. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Everything within me, I'm not going to do it. But then boom, there he fell again. And as soon, I believe just as soon as he denied Jesus that third time, that cock crowed. And in his heart, I love, I love the story of, I love the, the movie, we watch it every Easter, The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson. And that scene is depicted so, to me, so strongly in that, in that movie because, because at that moment, you know, Peter falls to the ground that time when he, he denies him the third time and the cock crows and Peter falls to the ground and, and he looks over toward Jesus, and him and Jesus make eye contact. And to me, that is so powerful. Because put yourself in Peter's shoes. At that moment, that, that, the, that it was the hardest point in his life, because he, he had denied Jesus, this man that he had followed and given up his life for the last three and a half years. He denied him, just like he said, and then he made eye contact with him as Jesus was being beaten. And getting ready to be crucified. And and could you imagine if that was you and I? I mean, you know, we I would be I would be so ashamed, I don't know that I would show my face back in, in front of the disciples again. But here we have here we have the story. Fifty days later, fifty days later, after the day of Pentecost, Peter was back in the room, and Peter Peter got he you know, and, and Jesus found Peter. And, and he, and he restored Peter to, you know, and, and told Peter, man, you know, you've got to get over this. Don't, you know, just, you know, you, you've got, you've got to move forward. And Peter, and Peter accepted that. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter was one that got filled with the Spirit. And then he was the very one that stood up and preached such a powerful message. If he had, and, and you say, well, what happened to Peter? How, how could he deny him three times on the day that Jesus was dying, but yet here he is standing in front of thousands of people proclaiming and preaching one of the strongest messages that we have in the Word of God? What was the difference? It was Pentecost. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
It was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fell on them, tongues of fire rested on their head, as of tongues of fire rested on their head. And, and they walked out of that room full of the Holy Ghost. And Peter went from somebody that, that wouldn't even stand up to a little girl in the, in the crowd that night to somebody that boldly stood up in front of, in front of thousands of people. And 3,000 people that day gave their life to the Lord. And what was the difference? It was being strengthened in the inner man by the Holy Spirit. And it's the very prayer that Paul prayed. Paul said, he said that, you, that he would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that you being rooted, uh, or that, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. Now listen to these next two verses. This is incredible. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I love the Amplified in that. It says this, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. Isn't that powerful? I believe Paul was talking here about, the, about being filled with the Spirit, don't you? I mean, you can see it in the language. You can see it in the, the, the language of that, of that verse that he was talking about being filled with the Spirit throughout, being fully filled with the Spirit throughout. And, and another example, let's turn over to uh, Acts chapter 4 and let's look at this one. Uh, particular, and then we're gonna we're gonna do a couple things here, and we'll be finished up. Acts chapter four. Now this was this was probably uh, probably about a year, I think, after Jesus was crucified, and after you know the church has started has started to get going, and 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 everything's booming and going, and and you know uh, uh, it, when you when you read the book of Acts, sometimes we 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 think that it happens just like one day after the other. But the book of Acts is written probably about a, probably it covers probably about 30 years from the time Jesus was crucified and the day of Pentecost until the end of the book of Acts. So there's a long time that happened in between some of these things. But here this was, this was pretty much right after within six months to a year probably of, of Peter preaching that sermon. And Peter and John is, uh, they, you know, they're out preaching and out, out sharing the gospel. And, uh, here in verse one, this is Acts chapter four, verse one. It says, and as they spake to the people, the priest and the captain of the people uh, of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Because you remember, if you remember who the Sadducees were, you all remember who the Sadducees were? They didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. So, they were Sadducees. That's easy to remember. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And so they got upset that they were preaching about the resurrection and so it says they arrested them. They laid hands on them and put them in, in hold until the next day, for it was in the evening time. And it says, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. So 5,000 people. Uh, Peter had just preached at Pentecost 3,000 people. Now here, another 5,000 people heard the gospel and, and they believed. And it says, And it came to pass on the morning, or on the morrow, that their rulers and elders and scribes, and uh, Ananias, the high priest, and uh, 
Cephas the, and John and Alexander and many who are the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. Now listen to this. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And then look at verse number 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. So Peter, he was filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people, and you elders... Now listen, he was talking... This would be like, this would be like somebody standing in front of the Supreme Court. These people were the, the head honchos. These people were the ones that they could say it at a word. They could say, off with your head. They were like the king, really. I mean, these were the, the, the highest rulers of the day. And so he's standing in front of the Supreme Court, the, the, the head honchos of the day. And Peter said, and he, was, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And it says, you, and he said, You rulers and you people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means is he made whole? Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, and I can just see him pointing his finger out, who you crucified, you know, to the, to the leaders there. He says, whom God raised from the dead. And boy, don't you know that, that upset them because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Paul, or Peter said, he said, you crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. You know, so man, they're just, I mean, they're, they're probably gnashing their teeth at him right now, you know. He says, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now look at verse number 13. That was, that was a powerful just little answer that, that Peter gave to them. But look at verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter... Now, if you put 13 together with verse 8, it says they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and what happened? Boldness came on them. So they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and boldness, they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled, and now listen to this, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And uh, a couple, one of the translations, uh, the message translation says it this way, I believe. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with Him. I love that. The people started, they started noticing, they said they, they saw that what effect Jesus had on them simply by the, these guys spending time with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And Peter, and it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit right there. So what, so what are the benefits of being filled with the Spirit? Well, we saw in Ephesians 4, Paul prayed about strength, strengthening the inner man. Here in Acts chapter 4, we see that boldness comes on, came on Peter and John when, you know, when, when they had, uh, you know, when, when they, when, when they, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, that boldness came on him. And then look at John chapter 16. Now this is probably one of the, one of the best ones that I, that I like. One of the benefits of, of receiving from the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 and verse number 12. Now this is Jesus Himself talking about the Holy Spirit. I'll just, let me share this with you. This week, as I've been, man, I've been studying this the last couple of weeks. I've been studying about the Holy Spirit and about uh, the, you know, just about being Spirit-filled. And I've been listening to Brother Hagin. I heard Brother Hagin say this uh, in one of his messages this week. 
He said this. He said that he said the world needs to be taught how to receive Jesus. He said, but the church needs to be taught how to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought that was good, Brother Hagin. Of course, he he would make comments like this that he he would say he would say a whole generation will 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 lose the power of the Holy Spirit if we don't teach them. You know, he said that back in the eighties, and actually he said that about faith. He said he said a whole generation will lose uh, will lose their faith if we don't teach them about faith. And I and I would I just added that with the Holy Spirit is the same today. Listen, the the. You know the the young people of today are looking, they're looking for the for power. I mean, they're looking for something to make a difference in their lives, and the church is not showing it to them. The church the church is nothing but a, a list of do's and don'ts to a lot of them, and that's the reason that that the statistics are something like seventy to eighty percent of teenagers once they leave home they they never go back to church. Because all that church was, was was a bunch of old people telling them, don't do this and don't do that. If you do this, you're going to hell. If you do that, you know, you're going to be, you know, you're going to, God's going to be mad at you. And unfortunately, that's not the power of the gospel. The gospel is that God loves us. And that, that it's not a matter of, of do's or don'ts. It's a matter of we, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live above sin. We don't have we don't have to give in to sin in our lives. We have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to where we can live above it. Um, I forgot this. This is a uh, in Ephesians chapter five. This is the the Mirror Bible. Listen to this, and this kind of says it says that uh, something to this effect. Um, this is the the one we read at the very beginning. But Ephesians chapter five. This is from the Mirror. It says this: While wine offers no lasting escape from the evil of the day. The Holy Spirit certainly does. Indulge in spirit intoxication. But then he says this. He says, speak psalms to one another. This is verse 19 and 20. Speak psalms to one another. Burst out in spontaneous celebration songs. Spirit-inspired resonance. In your heart, do not let the music stop. Continue to touch the Lord with whispers of worship. But now listen to this verse. I like this. He says, because you you are identified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ... You can afford to always overflow in gratitude to the Father in spite of everything that happens to you. You are not under the circumstances, but you're above the circumstances because you are in Him. I like that. You're not, we're not under the circumstances. We're over them because we're in Christ. Amen? So here in John chapter 16, uh, Jesus is talking... And, and let me get back to what, what I was saying. So I've been studying this and been looking at this. And one thing I noticed is this is that Jesus, when He talked about the Holy Spirit, the incredible thing, what Jesus never told... You never see Jesus saying this. He never told them. He said, "He said, guys, I'm getting ready to leave. Man, I really hate it for you. You know, it's going to be tough. If I, if I could only stay and be here with you, your life would be a whole lot better. But unfortunately, I've got to go. And man, I, I'll, be, I'll be praying for you up in heaven and, and sure hope you can make it. You know, that's not what Jesus said. What Jesus said was this, and I'm paraphrasing this now, but what Jesus said was this, guys, listen, I am so anxious to get out of here. Not because I don't want to be with you, but because I know what's going to happen when I leave. 
Because when I leave and I get back to the Father, the greatest thing that, that can ever happen is going to happen. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. And He's not only come, He's not only going to come back and be with you like I am, but Jesus, He told Him, He says, but what's going to happen is He's going to move on the inside of you. And instead of being one person, me, just traveling around and you having to follow me, now the Holy Spirit is going to be on the inside of every single one of you. And it's far greater if I go away than if I stayed with you. So, so guys, I'm anxious to get out of here. You know, because I know when I leave, the Holy Spirit will be coming and it's the greatest thing that will ever happen to you. Amen. Hallelujah. And so Jesus, Jesus, He wasn't sad about leaving. He was excited because He knew the Holy Spirit was being poured out. And so He never... It, you know, one thing you won't find in the Scripture is this. You'll never find a sad Holy Spirit. Every time you see the Holy Spirit, it's full of joy. It's full of... It's, I mean, there's, there's dancing and there's joy and there's celebration. Now, yes, you can, you, know, you can grieve the Holy Spirit by your actions and stuff, but the Holy Spirit is full of joy. When we think of the Holy Spirit, we should... I mean, guys, listen. We should be some of the happiest people on the earth. We should not let circumstances make us sad. Why? Because we've got the greater one on the inside. Yes, times, sometimes times get hard and times get tough. I understand that. But still, we don't have to give in to circumstances. We can rise above it. We can be full of the Holy Spirit. We can have power. We can be strengthened. We can have joy in the Holy Ghost. And man, we can, we can get through life and not have to just struggle through life. Amen. But listen to this in John 16... And this is verse, verses 12 through 15. <clears throat> Man, this is good. Jesus said this. He said, Jesus says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you can't bear them now. And man, if he had stopped there, that would have been pretty bad. Jesus would have said, man, I've got so much more you need to know, but you can't, you can't handle it right now, is what he was saying. But look at verse 13. How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He, will, he shall glorify me, for he shall, now listen to this, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The Amplified says, he will honor and glorify me because he will take of he will take of he will receive and draw upon what is mine and he will reveal declare disclose and transmit it to you Amen. one of the greatest things that the holy spirit does for us is he takes everything that jesus has and he brings it and he gives it to us he teaches us he reveals it to us he transmits it to us. He discloses it to us. He, you know, whatever word you want to use, he gives it to us. However you want to look at it. But, the, but, but the, you know, Jesus told his disciples, man, there's so much more that I've got to get to you. So much more that you don't understand that you're not ready to hold. But when the Spirit comes, I love, I think it's the message translation in that says, when the friend comes, he'll take you by the hand and he'll give you what is mine. Boy, that is incredible. So guys, the benefits, the benefits of receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit is, is so incredible. I don't, know, I don't know why we wouldn't want it every single day of our life. 
And we say, well, well, Pastor, it's so hard. I've tried and tried and, and I've, I've, I've struggled with receiving it. Look at Luke 11 with me real quick and we're going to finish up with this. Luke chapter 11. <clears throat> Jesus said this in Luke 11 verse 5. And Jesus said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend... Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. But I say unto you, though he will not rise and give you because he is a friend, but yet he will, because of your impaturity or your, your you know, consistent knocking, he said, because you continue to ask, he will rise and give him as many as he as he needeth. And so basically what Jesus was saying there was this. You know, he said he said if if if, if a friend came, if you had family come or somebody come in the middle of the night unexpected and you didn't have food, you know, would you go to your neighbor's house and knock on the door and, and just because you're a friend, you know, the, the neighbor, you know, say well in in that day especially the a lot of the houses were one room. And what what he was saying was, if I get up and let you and, and turn the lights on to give you all this, I'm going to wake the whole household up. But he says, but because he kept knocking, he the, the guy finally said, well, look, I'm going to, you're going to wake everybody up anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and give it to you, you know, whether you're a friend or not, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the point he was making there. But then he said this in verse nine. He says, but I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receive. And he that seeketh, findeth. To him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Now listen to these last couple of verses. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask for a fish, will he give him for a fish a serpent? Or if you shall ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? So, you know, nobody, I mean, if, if either of my kids ask me for, for bread, I'm not going to give them a rock and say, here, you know, enjoy the rock. You know, because what he's saying is this, if, if you're a good father, you're going to give your kids what they need. And you're going to do it with a good attitude. In other words, my desire is to bless my children. I want to bless them. I want them to, I want them to go higher than I ever went or that I ever will go. That's my desire for my kids. And that, you know, that's the point he's making here. But then look at verse 13. Jesus said this, If you then, being evil or being carnal or in, in the flesh, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? See, because people say it's the hardest thing to receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus just said this. He said, if, he said, if you... Being, being a, a carnal person, know how to give a good gift to your kid. Don't you think that our Heavenly Father knows how much more to give you? If you ask for the Holy Spirit, He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. And, and the reason I read that verse is simply this, because I just want us, I want, you know, to me, I, what I, as I was praying about this, here's the way I, here's the way I saw us doing this today. I just, you know, whether you've ever been filled with the Holy Spirit or whether you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, 
I want us all, if you're, if you're interested in this, if you say, man, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to, I want to receive power and strength and boldness and, and wisdom and all these things that you see happening after, after, you know, people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're interested in that, then here what, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take just a moment and just simply ask our Heavenly Father to give us the Holy Spirit to pour His Holy Spirit out, to, for us to, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, like I said, you're not, you know, the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you. It's not that you're getting another spirit or, a, uh, you know, you're getting more of the Holy Spirit or something like that. It's just that, that what He's doing, He is empowering you. Uh, one, one, uh, one person, I think it was P.C. Nelson, was, wrote a, uh, he, he did like a concordance. He was a, uh, theologian from years back. He said it like this. He said one way to look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like this. He said it's like that the Holy Spirit puts you on like a glove. So that, so that He, you know, in other words, it's still you. You're still the glove. But now the Holy Spirit has empowered you. And now the Holy Spirit controls your movements. And, and He does, you know, and, and He speaks to you. And, and you can speak to Him. And, and, you know, and have that relationship that you never had before. So, so if you want that, let's just all, let's all stand to our feet just for a moment. And of course, and I will say this, the only requirement of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you to be born again. If you're, if you're born again, if you have a relationship with Jesus, then you're a candidate, you're a great candidate for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you've, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, then, then it's as simple as just simply saying, Lord, I need you. I, I believe I believe that you died on the cross for me, and I believe that that you came to 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 live on the inside of me. You were raised again from the dead, and I believe that. And Father, in in the name of Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord. And the Bible says, if you believe that in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you'll be born again. Amen. And so, if if you're here today and you've never made Jesus your Lord, just simply ask Him. Say, Lord, I need you to be my Savior. But then secondly, here's what I want us to do. I want us just to close our eyes and don't worry about what's happening around you. Don't worry about who's moving, who's not moving or anything. This is just between you and Him right now. But Jesus Himself said that if you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, that He would give, him, he would give you the Holy Spirit. So right now, we're going, to ask, we're going to ask the Father to baptize us, to fill us with the Holy Spirit this morning. And, and for those of you that have never spoken in tongues, I believe even as, even as you're filled with the Spirit this morning, I believe that you're going you're gonna to receive your prayer language. You're going to receive the gift of tongues this morning. And if, if maybe, you've, maybe you've prayed in tongues before, but you hadn't in a long time, then we're just going to take just a moment, not, not a long time, but we're all just going to pray in the Spirit, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, to, to come upon us, and to baptize us with His Spirit. And as we do that, we're all just going to pray, and we're all just going to receive the Holy Spirit this morning. For anybody that wants Him. Listen, God won't force Him on you. But if you want Him, if you want this experience, then, then He's saying all you have to do is ask. So let's do that right now, okay? Let's just cl- close your eyes and lift up your heart to the Lord. Father, my prayer this morning is this. Jesus, You said in Your Word that if we ask You for the Holy Spirit, You would pour Him out. You would give us the Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, as men and women of God, sons and daughters in this house this morning, Father, we're asking for we're asking for the Holy Spirit this morning. We ask, Father, that you pour your Spirit out. That Father, that that He falls on us fresh and new this morning. 
that He filled, that, that we would all be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that He would come, that He would come upon us, and that, that, and, and, and the initial evidence of that is, is that we would, that we would have our prayer language, we would speak in tongues, and Father, that we would be able to praise You and rejoice. And so Father, right now, we just ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon each and every one that's in this room today. And I thank You for that, Lord. Now, we, we ask, and I believe we have received that. In Jesus' name. Now, if you have a prayer language, I just want us just to pray in the Spirit just for a moment. If you if you speak in tongues, then I'll, I just ask just vocally, verbally, let's do that. And if you've never received that, just, just ask the Lord for that prayer language this morning. So let's spend just a moment just praying. And, and for those of you that have never spoken in tongues... Just check your spirit. Check down in your, in your spirit. And as the Spirit gives you utterance, just speak that out. And just let the Holy Spirit minister. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you. Uh, and you, you speak it out with your voice, but the Holy Spirit will, will speak that out. So let's just pray in the Spirit just for a moment. And, and if, you, if you have a prayer language, and those that don't, just ask the Lord to receive one. So let's just pray in the Spirit just for a moment. Shela <laughs> Moshe Kelabo. Sheila Bokoskela Tishtelaboko. Sheila Lalabokoskela Tishtelaboko. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all just keep just keep praying, keep praying. Now if you're if you're here and you and you've never spoken tongues, um, and and you know you might say, Well, I'm not getting anything. Well, just just listen. Listen listen to the, the to the Holy Spirit on the inside. And I believe you know, for me, it came with one syllable. It came. I, I had one syllable, and I spoke that out. And for for weeks, I spoke one syllable. Then for like Stacy, when it when it came for her, it was a whole language came out just the moment that she got filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's different for everybody. But just but just as 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 the the Spirit gives you the utterance on the inside, just speak out whatever it is that He gives you, and and just believe God, receive it by faith, just like you did salvation. If we prayed and asked, the, asked God to give us the Holy Spirit, we believe that the Holy Spirit came. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen. Listen. We took just... I mean, that, that wasn't any time. That was just like 30 seconds. But here's what I want you to do. Man, I want you to go home, and if you received a prayer language, if you received one word or a phrase or something, go home and pray in the Spirit and don't stop. You know, if, if, you, if you were here and, and maybe you prayed to the Spirit at one time in your life and, and you kind of stopped, get back with it again. Amen? Kick it into gear again and pray in the Spirit. Paul, Like Paul said, Paul said, man, I pray in the Spirit more than you all. And he said, I wish that all of you would pray in the Spirit. There's power. There's strengthening. There's, I mean, we looked at the benefits of praying in tongues last week. We saw that we had like six or seven benefits of it and how it strengthens us and it empowers us. We looked today how that the baptism of the Holy Spirit will bring boldness in our life and, and it'll bring strength to our life and, and it'll make you into a new person. And, you know, so there's so many great things that happen when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. 
If you have questions, if you don't understand it, if, you, if you're struggling with it, talk to me about it. I'd love to get one-on-one with you and just and spend some time and pray. I promise you, we could get you filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, He said that if you asked, He would He would pour the Holy Spirit out. Amen? So it's, it's, it's something that He wants everybody to have. Amen? So if you're struggling with that, just talk to me. And we can set up a time when we can, when we can sit down and, and talk and share the, share the Scriptures with you and show you in the Scriptures. And, uh, and, you know, and, 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 cause I promise you, it will change your life. It's changed mine and Stacy's. And we wouldn't be where we were today if it wasn't for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So listen, God bless you guys. We love y'all. We're excited about what God's doing this year. And we encourage you to, to press in these last two months and let's make the, the end of 2019 the best yet. Amen. So God bless you guys. You're dismissed. Remember, no service here tonight. We'll be back Wednesday night, regular service at 7 o'clock. God bless you guys. You're dismissed. Oh, yeah, we got the meeting.
Jesus, please reveal. Jesus, give us strength. Jesus, make us well. Jesus, help us live. Jesus, give us wealth. Jesus is our safe. Jesus is our rock. Jesus, give us grace. Jesus. We came after the storm inside. Yeah, you should be 